Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. We're back. Pharrell on the bench. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty. 844-843-6879. The Niners are in the end zone, Mafia. So the Packers kicked the field goal to go up 34-3. And the Niners on a long play. I did not see who scored it. Uh, it was actually James. So a long play from Mullen to James. And they are in 34-10 to now. And I believe, Mafia, if, my, if I remember correctly, the total in this game was 48 and a half. Am I right about that? You are right. And I took the under, so I'm going to be sweating bullets for five minutes now. Let's kill the clock. Well, look, they're going to kill. There's five minutes left here. I don't anticipate um, them going. Now, if you jumped on that 30 and a half that uh, I was talking about before, which I, you know is always dicey late in the game after the Packers picked up the cover, now, of course, you're hoping for a Packers score that you are not going to get. So that's that playing that line there live was based on the Niners not scoring again, and they ruined that for you. So now Mafia and everybody else with the under is going to sweat this out uh, for a while here. We've got a lot to do in hour number two, Mafia. We've got NBA news, which um, we will talk about uh, after big the news. break. And big news tonight out of the NBA uh, that we that just came down from uh, Sham Sharnia uh, of the Athletics. So we will get into that. We have Joe Lisi. Coming up in about uh, just under 20 minutes, we're going to run through all of the college football games uh, tonight, Friday night, Saturday, big weekend, including the top five matchup in South Bend on Saturday night. So a lot more to do. Pharrell on the bench, Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty all week vacationing, 844-843-6879, the number to get involved. We get rolling our number two on the bench right after this. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys and I'd love for you to join me. 
I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Pharrell on the bench. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty all week. 844-843-6879. The number to get involved. Uh, almost the end of Thursday night football. Well, it's been over for a while, but uh, in terms of the clock, it is almost the end of Thursday night football as the 49ers are uh, giving the business here to the Packers. 34 to Run 10. Run that clock. Run that clock. Run the clock. Run the clock, baby. Mafia looking for the under 48 and a half as they sit on 44 after that 49er touchdown by James a couple of minutes ago. I just uh, went back to the Wyoming game because the second half is underway. Uh, 24 to 14, Colorado State with the lead. We've got Wyoming laying the two and a half here at Fort Collins. And I turn on the screen, Mafia, to see Wyoming in Colorado State territory at their 38-yard line. But here's the problem. It's fourth and 26. And here's a bigger problem. The punter, uh, the snap, went off of, I don't know what they were doing there. The snapper hit it off of that. You know how there's that upman mafia when they're punting? Um, you know, sometimes I yeah. don't think he was trying to, I don't think he was trying to snap it to him for a fake because it was fourth and 24. But he hit the side of the upman and the ball, it got to the punter. But by the time he picked the ball up, there was just Colorado State green jerseys all over this kid. So now Colorado State's going to get the rock right at midfield, just an awful sequence for Wyoming. Ugh. I should probably just turn the game back off. I don't know why I turned it on. A uh, little bit, I'm down 10. You're laying two and a half. You need a couple of touchdowns. You do too. You're on Wyoming as well here, Mafia. So I am on Wyoming, yeah. We need some juice here uh, from the Cowboys in the second half. Um, here's the NBA news for you, Mafia. I know you're excited. Uh, Sharnia Athletic Stadium. NBA Basketball Players Association has voted to tentatively approve the NBA's proposal for the 2021 campaign starting on December the 22nd. They will play a 72-game season. That is Christmas week, which means you, Scotty, uh, if you're listening, you don't have to talk to your family on Christmas Day. I know that you were very upset that if there was no NBA basketball, you were going to have to talk to your family. Well, guess what? You're going to get NBA basketball on Christmas Day, no problem. They have to work out the health and the safety protocols. They're discussing, you know, the escrow, all the numbers and money and things like that. Two uh, percent annual growth in the salary cap. Blah 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 blah. We don't care about that stuff, mafia. What we care about is the NBA will get back on the floor Christmas week. This is where I'm shocked that we're going to have this coming out exactly as we thought it would, right? Because I mean, once they said, "Well, we want to play 
December 22nd. And the union said, well, we want to play January 18th. And they said, well, it's going to cost us a billion dollars. And that's going to come out of your pockets. Right away, you knew they were going to buckle. You knew this was going to happen. Because while LeBron and Kawhi and you know KD, you know plenty of those guys can sit out and say, all right, so take a third of my salary. You weren't having that from the regular guys. And they compose a lot more of the union than the big guys do. Sure, Chris Paul and Westbrook and these guys, and you know they have power, but they don't have all the votes. So you knew that was going to happen. It's the same thing that happens with every union: is the high-priced guys try to like you know push their weight around, and the smaller players like, wait, I got to feed my family, man. I need to play. Yeah, and look, I understand it's it's a tricky situation here. Normally, in a normal year, if you make it all the way to the NBA Finals, the two teams that do that. They finish in mid-June, you know, so they're the last two playing. You're back at camps, what, or late September, early October. So you're talking three months is usually the downtime for the teams that go all the way to the end, which means all the other teams have a lot more time off than that. The Lakers and the Heat, of course, went to, uh, I believe it was the first week in October, Mafia. I think the finals was the game, last game was like October 3rd or 4th, somewhere around there. They're only going to get two months this time instead of three, three and a half. You know what? You had also, what, four months off between March and July? It is what it is. It's not a, it's a, and you're going to play less games. You're going to play 72 instead of 82. There's going to be probably uh, some belly aching from some of the bigger players, but, you know, there's teams that have not played at all since March. How long do you want them to wait? The Knicks, the Hawks, uh, you know, all the bad teams. Uh, it is what it is. The Warriors, who were bad last year. It is what it is, Mafia. Uh, I, I like this. Let's go. Get back on the court and let's get moving here. Now, the trickier part's going to be there's no bubble this time. So they're going to have to try to navigate, of course, what MLB has done. Uh, not so much NFL because that's a once-a-week thing. What MLB had to do with the travel, the NBA is going to have to figure out some protocols to do the same thing. Yeah, they absolutely are. And more importantly, they're going to have to figure out some ways to punch these guys if they don't listen because you know they're not going to, you know, depending on which state you live in and what the <laughs> the, uh, the state precautions are, you know, if someone in the bars and the clubs and those things open up, these guys are going to be in there. You know, if, if you weren't able to keep them from trying to slide, to get someone who's sliding their DMs into the bubble, how do you think it's going to go when they're sitting at home every night? There's going to be issues. So they're going to have to really put some strict protocols in for these guys like the NFL has tried to do, even though some guys still haven't listened, and uh, you know, punish them that way if they don't do it and punish teams and do whatever they can to keep the season going. Otherwise, you're going to have some issues. And I hope now, Mafia, that, that hockey's right behind them, right? I mean, we, we've heard the same you know, talk. Hockey wants to start early January. I don't think that they're going to get uh, their normal 82 games in either. I think that they need to be realistic. I think Gary Bettman needs to be realistic and get it down to the 60s or 70s number like the NBA has done here. But this is a good thing. Uh, I'm excited. You know that you'll get uh, some marquee matchups on Christmas Day because uh, the NFL game that day, Mafia, not great anymore because the Vikings stink. It's Viking Saints, by the way, on Christmas Day. Uh, there is an NFL game. That is a Friday. And now you have NFL and five NBA games. It sounds like Scotty's not going to have to talk to anybody, Mafia. Yeah, you know the NFL is not happy about this news tonight that the NBA is coming back and they'll be there for Christmas because yeah. you know they absolutely scheduled that game yeah. on a Friday because they thought that the NBA was not going to be there and they were going to be able to monopolize that and get that attention, all those eyeballs of people sitting home because it's going to be a lot more households too because you know, you're not going to be able to have the big family dinners. It's going to be you know smaller right. celebrations. And then the NBA came back and was like, nah, we got this, son. Yeah, they're taking this back over. I think, the, I think you saw... 
even in the NBA Finals, that the NFL always uh, trumps all. I mean, what did they have? Two of those games were on Sundays, those Heat-Laker games, up against Sunday night football, and uh, they couldn't make a dent in it. So I think the NFL is always king. I think they're playing it. I don't have it in front. I think it's 5 o'clock is the NFL game. So the NBA usually puts Mafia, their big uh, middle game of that NBA uh, five games around, I think, the 5.30 area. Maybe they'll go away from that and they'll put their big game at eight o'clock instead on Christmas night. You know, maybe, maybe. they'll save the Lakers for eight o'clock and do it after the NFL game and just have their their secondary games on during the NFL game. Maybe I mean it's all going to depend too on them getting these guys to play on these big games too. You know, you can put the Lakers and the Clippers go ahead, but wow. you know if, if LeBron and Kawhi aren't playing, that kind of yeah. blows that up. And the you, big you thing know. for me, you, you're, you were talking about the NHL, but the, you've talked about it before, and you know I agree 100% is that the NHL relies so much on the gate. I don't know if they can rush back or try to get back in a season like this because you know the NBA can do it without fans. They have the giant contract for the broadcast. That's why they came back and played those eight games each team in the bubble. They didn't play those eight games because they really cared about the seating. They would have went to the playoffs if they could, but they needed to make up the money you know, for those broadcast partners. So that's why they had them. I don't know the NHL could do that. I don't think they could rush back and just have NBC, you know, be the thing that carries them the whole season. Yeah, much more lucrative television package when you're talking about the NBA. It's going to be very hard for the NHL. I stand by it without fans in there to do it. And and you know what? You know there's you know the, uh oh that's not uh, good. Oh no, Moff. What do we got? I San turned Francisco it off. Jerk I turned it off. touchdown with ten uh, seconds left. Four seconds left. Four, four seconds, seconds left. Four seconds left in the game. They scored. Jerk McKinnon. Oh, that's brutal. That is brutal, Moff. That's tough. I don't feel so bad now about not getting that Aaron Rodgers rushing prop. Because that's that's just taking money out of your hands. Four seconds left. A meaningless Jerk McKinnon touchdown to ruin the under for Mafia. Well, you know what? Maybe now you'll be the good karma. We'll get a little a little Wyoming comeback here to make up because you probably thought this one was done. You'll get a little comeback here for that, Mafia. I believe it. Pharrell on the bench, Carver High and Mafia here with you, 844-843-6879. When we come back, Joe Lisi, sports grid, college football analyst, the best in the biz. We go through all the games this weekend in college football. Pharrell on the bench rolls on right after this. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... We bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. And we're back. 
back. Pharrell on the bench. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty all week. 844-843-6879. Big play by the Cowboys of Wyoming. They are now inside the 10 at Fort Collins against the Rams. We're looking to get things cooking here. Down 10, laying two and a half. Let's rock, baby. Uh, and speaking of college football, it is time. Uh, always on Thursday nights, our man, sports grid, college football guru, legend, Joe Lisi, at Go For The Two on Twitter, joins us. You see him college football today, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. East, in-game live with Wetzel for five hours from noon to five on Saturday, and even NFL in-game live with Marenzi, uh kicking off at one o'clock. Uh, Joe. What is going on, my man? We are we are riding high on this Wyoming game. We're looking for a big late night second half Mountain West comeback here, Joe. Let's go. There you go, brother. You got a little giddy up in your step after they got inside the ten yard line. I love to hear it. The dynamic duo here on a Thursday night. It's great. Let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna win this game. I'm very confident that Wyoming will wear down Colorado State. Obviously, I would like to touch down on this drive. I might be on a delay here, but uh Levi Williams and the crew moving the football in the second half. You're absolutely right about that, Joe. Let, let me let me go to tonight first uh, before we start. Back. We'll do tonight, tomorrow night. We're going to get into uh, the top five matchup, Clemson-Notre Dame, the big one in South Bend. Let's kind of get these things in order here. First of all, I was disappointed with Nevada earlier, Joe, because even though they covered the 17-and-a-half, I was expecting more points to get me over that 56-and-a-half total. Utah State really stinks. I'm starting to get a handle on a lot of these Mountain West teams right now, Joe, and I like Wyoming a lot. Uh, I watched Nevada now twice against UNLV last week and Utah State tonight. Uh, that kid at quarterback can really play. Uh, Mountain West is going to be fun in these spots where this is what they should do, Joe, play Thursday nights, late Friday nights, get away from the other games so that we can really focus on them. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, obviously, we're watching a great game now in the third quarter with Wyoming kicking the field goal, but I agree with you. I mean, you know, I was on the over earlier as well with with Nevada and um, and uh, Utah State. I mean, it was the inability for Utah State. I mean, you jump up 9 nothing. you're a 17.5-point underdog. Jason Shelley and the crew just could not move the football consistently through the air, and that's been the Achilles heel. I mean, the former Utah quarterback, Entering that matchup, they're only averaging 102 uh, passing yards per game. You're not going to beat uh, Nevada and Carson Strong in terms of that offensive attack. He played another lights-out ball game. So, uh, you know, the, the Wolfpack are a team you got to keep an eye out for. They can move the football. Obviously, I have some question marks about their defense, but they're physical at the point of attack, especially in the run game. So we'll see how it navigates throughout the, the rest of the season. But I'll say this, too, about – Mountain West playing on Thursday and Fridays. I agree with that. We have a great matchup tomorrow with BYU and Boise State. And you look at what the MAC did in terms of a standalone night with six games last night. I mean, that was just fantastic for the sports betters around the nation. Yeah, Joe, speaking of, uh, you know, that that was games last night. What did you think of some of them? I mean, obviously, it's a weird situation this season coming into, you know, Mac, Pac-12, you know, Big Ten. These ones that got started late. It's weird enough with the ones that had the regular jump, with how many teams got shut down for COVID or are still getting shut down. You know, but these teams that pretty much had them had their conferences step up and say, "You're done. You're not playing this year." And then all of a sudden had to kick it back into gear without spring practice, without full you know training camps. How do you think the Mac did? And how do you think it's you know going for these kids having to prepare pretty much short notice? 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another great point, Brian, because that was the one concern about last night that I had because we saw, like, the Power 5 teams, right? You know, 20-point underdogs just win the game outright. You saw a lot of inconsistency in terms of offense and defense line play. You didn't see that last night. Now, was the extra weeks of preparation, did that benefit them? Because, you know, the Big Ten came out on October 24th, and we saw consistent games, right? We saw... Uh, that matchup with uh, Penn State and Indiana went down to the wire. We saw another great game last week with Ohio State and Penn State, Michigan and Michigan State last week. So the ability for them to start later uh, might have benefited them to get the extra weeks of preparation, to get the extra breakdown in terms of you know game film. I thought the Mac did well last night. I was on Miami O. Uh, I took an early line of minus two, and I had to sweat that game out. Uh, in overtime, but I, I thought all in all, it was a great performance uh, for the Mid-American uh, Mid Conference last night. Especially in the Buffalo Bulls. Don't forget that, Joe. Big performance by the Bulls in the second <laughs> half, uh, getting the cover against uh, the Huskies of Northern Illinois. You mentioned before tomorrow night, uh, enormous game uh, for BYU. Um, they already, uh, they're undefeated. They are making the claims already that if they go undefeated, that they deserve a place in the college football playoff. Look, Joe, uh, they've beaten Navy, you know, Troy, Louisiana Tech, San Antonio, Texas State, Western Kentucky. You're starting to catch the drift here, Joe. This is the biggest game on their schedule tomorrow night at Boise State. You know, not your typical Boise State team, but it's still a very good team. They're three-and-a-half-point road favorites. BYU, Joe, this is their opportunity to show the nation tomorrow night. Yeah, it is. And it, and they've traditionally struggled with Boise State. I mean, you know, especially on the blue field. They've got, gone there, played well, uh, just haven't been able to close the door. You know, you can go back to the series perspective. But um, I like their chances tomorrow night. I think they're physical, again, on the offense and defensive lines. They're running the football, shutting down the run. And when you have a quarterback in Zach Wilson that makes solid decisions, I give the edge to BYU. Now, Boise State playing at home is going to be a live dog. I mean, that's the one thing that concerns me about the Cougars on the road. It's not one of my best bets, but I would still lay the wood with BYU because Boise State, you know, at that field, you know, they like to step up and dominate. So that's the one concern that they're underdogs on their home field. BYU, I, I would love to see the college football playoff expand to eight teams this year. They're not going to do it. But if BYU runs the table, I think this is the type of year that they can crack the college football playoff, Carver, because there's not going to be a lot of elite teams. You know, Clemson was pushed to the limit. Alabama still has Auburn. Anything can happen. I mean, we've seen teams, and if one of the star players goes down, let's say it's Mac Jones, God forbid, but or, or Justin Fields, what happens then and those teams lose? So there's always that possibility where as long as BYU is undefeated because of the pedigree, I think they deserve a spot in the college football playoff, even though they might get blown out in a semifinal playoff game. Well, listen, speaking of tomorrow night, you had the Wolfpack in Nevada playing well tonight. Tomorrow you have the Wolfpack at NC State going against Miami. Now, Miami's a double-digit favorite in this one. I know the defense has kind of stepped up the last couple of games after getting lit up by Louisville earlier in the season, but – the Wolfpack NC State, they're a team that's been putting up points. They're averaging like 30 points a game. Can Miami slow them down enough to cover this spread? Yeah, they can. And this is one of my better bets for the weekend. I mean, I was on TMA this morning with Jared Smith uh, and Chelsea uh, Messenger, and, and I said this is one of my best bets. I love Miami tomorrow night. Let's not keep in, 
in mind. Miami's fighting for the second-best team in terms of the ACC, right? As long as they run the table and one of these teams lose, obviously there'll be a loser Saturday night, Clemson and Notre Dame. They're going to be right there for a possible rematch with Clemson. Now, uh, they haven't played well in recent weeks. I picked against them against uh, you know Virginia last week, a couple weeks ago, but they got gutted out that win. I don't like the way NC State's playing defense right now, allowing 182 rushing yards per game. It's a different offense with Bailey Hockman at the helm than it is Devin Leary. And to me, I think it's the speed of Miami on a Friday night prime time. I don't care that they're laying 10 and a half. I think they win this ball game by 17 points or more. A best bet for Joe right there, the U tomorrow night against NC State. Disgraceful performance, by the way, yep. by the Wyoming defense. They get the game to within seven at 24-17, and then they go and give up a touchdown to the Rams in about five plays. They go right down the field, so now they're down 14 again here in the third quarter. Uh, we'll keep our eye on the Cowboys. Getting to Saturday, Joe, the Pac-12 is back. Um, they have not played. This is the first week. They've already lost a game. There's going to be no Cal-Washington game because of uh, COVID stuff that's happened there. But let me ask you this, Joe. First of all, I love uh, Arizona State getting the 10 and a half at USC. But why the hell are they playing the game at 9 a.m. local time out in Los Angeles, noon east, 9 a.m. local time? I mean, this is the kids' first game of the year. They got them up at 8 in the morning. They're going to go kick off at 9 a.m., Joe? What are we doing here? Uh, I, they want to be prime time, right? They want to be up against, you know, Texas and West Virginia. And, and you know, there's the problem with, you know, the, the coverage of the, of, the, of the game, right? You know, the, the pregame show can't even travel. They're locked yeah. down for, uh, for COVID reasons. So, like Urban Meyer, Matt Leiner, right? So, I, I don't know what they're doing. The Pac-12 is a standalone conference. They do what they want in terms of that. But, I agree with you. I'm with you, Arizona State, in this matchup. I think they're the dark horse to actually win the conference because they have a solid quarterback in Jaden Daniels. They play defense. Now, they're going to need to run the football a little bit better than they did last year, three and a half yards per carry. Uh, that was with Eno ben and Benjamin, right? That offensive line needs to get better. As long as they can run four, four, two yards per carry, That'll put them into manageable third downs. But USC is going to look to run up tempo, jump up early with Keaton Slovis. I mean, I said it before we did. USC is a complete money burn. I mean, you know, anytime you back them in a big spot, they just never come through. So I, I like Arizona State. I'm not betting this game, though. I'll tell you that right now. I'm going to watch I, and see how both <laughs> of these teams play in the first quarter and then take it from an in-game perspective because I just don't have any confidence back in a 10.5-point number. I don't mind taking it, but I just don't have a problem first game of the year in the Pac-12, so wait. Could, could be an under with the kids half asleep at 9 o'clock in the morning, Joe, under 56.5. Pharrell on the bench, Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty all week. We're talking college football with Joe Lisi. Pharrell on the bench rolls on right after this. And we're back. Pharrell on the bench. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty all week. 844-843-6879. We are talking college football with our man, Sports Grid's own Joe Lisi at Go for the Two on Twitter. The best of the best. The legend himself. 
Uh, Joe, let's get into some of the bigger games on Saturday here. And I have to start with my guys. The game of the week, top five matchup. The Clemson Tigers come to South Bend. This line's moved here. It was five and a half for the last couple of days. Tonight, Joe, down to Clemson minus four and a half. Here's the thing for me, Joe. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly, I like him as the Irish coach. He wins 10 or 11 games pretty much every year. He's got this team coming to South Bend with no Trevor Lawrence, three starters out on D for Clemson. I'm sorry, Joe, if there's ever a time where Brian Kelly has to win an enormous game for the Irish, it is this Saturday night against this Clemson team. I, I agree with that statement. I do, Carver. That doesn't mean they're going to step up and make Well, they had to step up, Joe. They got to step up. That's it. They got to step up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, here's the problem. I, I, I Granted, obviously, uh, Clemson is ripe, right? That's the right word, ripe. They're ripe for the taking, especially with DJU at the helm, inexperienced quarterback. They haven't been running the football consistently with Travis Etienne. But if you look in, in critical matchups, my uh, versus Miami, Clemson found a way to pound the rock for over 200. That's the key to this game right now. I don't care what you tell me on both sides of the ball, who's missing. The team that runs the football more effectively will win this matchup. Now, I think it comes down to Clemson. I think they have way too many playmakers, Armani Rogers, EPN, to take the pressure off of DJU. I don't know if Notre Dame has that. They have tight end Michael Meyer. They have McKinley. Javon McKinley, but I don't think they have anybody else that can really make plays. They have Kyron Williams that basically is almost leading the team in terms of receptions. Where's that elite talent to take the top off of Clemson's defense? That's going to be the problem for me for Notre Dame to win this ballgame. So uh, I think it'll be close early. I think because they're playing on the road and DJU is inexperienced, but in the end, that Clemson defense will find a way to turn over Ian Book and I think they win this matchup by 10 points. All right, Joe. Well, since Carver, I talked about his team, and I went to a basketball school at Seton Hall, so there's no such thing as football. I think we already talked about one of Scott's teams, but if we don't bring up Indiana, which is also a basketball school, but suddenly he's playing well football, he might not let us host the show again. So while they're actually a good team, I guess we got to bring them up right now with a typical noon game in the Big Ten, Indiana-Michigan. Now, Michigan, of course, I think like, looking at this game after the way they just got embarrassed by Michigan State last week. I know they didn't get helped out by the refs. They should have gotten a review on that third down. It shouldn't have counted when they were only down three and gotten the ball back, blah, blah, blah. They should have blown out Michigan State. So everyone's down on them now, and this line is showing that with them only laying three and a half against Indiana, who they should blow out. Is this kind of a trap line to sucker you in and make you think that Indiana has a chance here? Yeah, I mean, if you go back, uh, Brian, uh, Indiana traditionally plays Michigan very tough, even covering the number. So uh, I think that's why you're seeing the line so low. Plus, they have the better quarterback at this point with Michael Penix, you know, entering week number three. Joe Milton still not, uh, you know, consistent right now, even though he played okay last week against Michigan State. They did not win that matchup, right? They lose a rivalry game, a lot of pressure on Jim Harbaugh. But Michigan should dominate this game. They should run the football on the front seven of Indiana. I know Indiana, you could tell Scotty, they're breaking out camouflage uniforms for this game. They're going to look sick uh, at home in Bloomington. But I still think Michigan covers this number. I actually took them minus three, took them a little at minus two and a half. If Michigan can't win this game on the road, Jim Harbaugh should be looking for a job in the NFL if he isn't already. But if they lose this game in back-to-back weeks, I think Jim Harbaugh will be in the NFL next year. 
Joe, uh, I know that you're not allowed to call it this anymore, but I still call it anyway. The world's largest cocktail party down in Jacksonville. You've got Florida and Georgia, a top 10 matchup. Uh, This one, of course, always the right to go and lose to Alabama in the SEC title game. That's what they should call this game every year. Georgia's beaten them, I think, three or four years in a row. Uh, They're minus three and a half point favorites. I'm not the biggest buyer in Georgia. I'm I'm just not like they never beat Alabama. They always have it like a couple weeks ago, halftime lead and then get blown out by them in the second half. Um, they're probably better than Florida, who disappointed losing to Texas A&M. Uh, they have had to fight with Mizzou last week after their COVID situation. Uh, I kind of like the total here, Joe. I think there's be points. 53 and a half. Seems a little low. I know Georgia's D. Uh, everybody thinks it's very good. Uh, what do you think here at the cocktail party? You must have been uh, over my back as I broke down the notes for Saturday's show because uh, <laughs> I did have over 52 and a half. Uh, as one of my plays, uh, you know, for the, what we call the gridiron gem. So we'll get it out now. Might as well. Uh, I agree with that. I think there's going to be points in this matchup. Georgia's won three straight by 20.3 points per game. They did win this matchup last year by seven points, but it really is a tale of two teams. Florida's not the same type of team that they were last year with Kyle Trask. They're more explosive, wide open with uh, Tony and, and Kyle Pitts, their tight end. So they're going to spread out Georgia try to challenge them and get them into a higher scoring game, just the way Alabama did. Georgia, I'm a Georgia fan, so I agree with the statement that you said that Georgia's, I'm not sold on them. I'm not either. I mean, I don't think they're elite. They're good, but they don't have the type of elite talent like Alabama to really challenge and be a college football playoff team this year. They need to run the football. If they run the football, they're going to win this game because they'll keep Kyle Trask on the sidelines. That's going to be the, the, the really – um, I want to see the matchup and, and why I want to watch this game because I want to see which team could dictate the tempo, as we say, because if Florida jumps up 7 nothing, 14 nothing, I think it could be lights out just the way Alabama put them away. But if Georgia can methodically work down the field the way they did against Kentucky and get them into an ugly game, Georgia will win. But I'm taking the points. I think I have the better quarterback with Kyle Trask, the more – a better skill position by Florida. I think they win this matchup by seven. All right, Joe. One I want to talk about because I I was kicking myself last week. I was so ticked off myself because I sat there looking at that Oklahoma State-Texas game, and for some reason I jumped on Oklahoma State. And even though I know every year Texas and Oklahoma State is the same damn thing, every year Texas all of a sudden they win two or three games and everyone's like, Texas is back, and then they fall flat on their face, usually against Oklahoma. Oklahoma State win a bunch of games against you know people teams people don't care about, and then it's like, oh, well, this is the year that Gundy finally puts it together, fall flat on their face. I looked at that game, and in my head said, this is a trap. I should not bet Oklahoma State. For some reason, I still did. Now they come against Kansas State this week. Big favorites of 12 and a half. Kansas State actually having a decent season at 4-2 right now, 4-1 in the Big 12. Can Oklahoma State cover? More importantly, with Oklahoma having two losses, Oklahoma State flopping, Texas having their mishaps, is anybody from the Big 12 going to have a chance at the playoff this year, or are they just going to write this conference off? If if a Big 12 team, and I'm with you, I picked Oklahoma State to win the Big 12, so that was a disappointing loss, Brian. So I feel your pain. Trust me, it was a hard loss. And it really turned on one play. That, that personal foul with about five minutes left, roughing the kicker, stupid play. They shouldn't even have been rushing at that point. Play safe, but they didn't. And gave the football back to Sam Ellinger. If what, there's a one-loss Big 12 team, 
I think they get in considering that, you know, they have a body of work, a 10 win season, uh, you know, or 10, 10 game resume. Let me, re, let me rephrase that as opposed to a team in the PAC 12 that maybe, you know, one loss or undefeated depending upon who it is. So there's still an outside shot. I still think Oklahoma state uh, has that chance because they only have one loss. It's a close loss. They still have to play Oklahoma and they are going to have to play a big 12 championship game if they get there. So I think they're going to be focused this week. I know it's a big number. Lined open up at nine and a half, jumped up to 12 and a half. But Kansas State is not the same offense that they are with Skylar Thompson at the helm. And that's why I took West Virginia last week. They struggled with Will Howard. Way too many weapons for Oklahoma State. They bounced back in a big way because they have a chance to play in the Big 12 championship game. Joe, uh, like earlier we talked about with BYU, Cincinnati also undefeated, and they have an opportunity also, if they run the table, to have some kind of a claim to get into this playoff. And I notice every week, it seems like, when I check the Joe Lisi cheat sheet at gofortheto.com, it seems like every week Joe Lisi is picking against Cincinnati. I believe you did last week uh, with Memphis. And then sure enough, today I saw that you liked Houston getting the 13 and a half at Cincinnati. So please, is this Joe just, you, you're not a believer yet uh, in this Bearcat team? Is there, or is it just too many points for you to lay with them and you think they'll win the game? Okay, so for the record, I did pick Cincinnati versus Tulsa. That <laughs> well. was number four. However, that game got canceled. So that uh. was on go for the two. So that, so that game did get canceled. So technically early in, I was a believer of Cincinnati. I happen to think that Memphis at the start of the year was the best team in the AAC. And that was a dominant effort last week uh, against Brady White and the crew. Again, another game that changed on one play. It was 21-10, early third quarter. Memphis has the ball, third and eight. Brady White breaks contain inside the 20. He slides about two yards early to set up a fourth down and two at the seven-yard line. They turn the football over, lights out, game over. Cincinnati dominated. That being said, it was a quality win. Now they face Houston straight up in the series, 15 and 11 overall for, for the Cougars. They lost this matchup by 12. They have the type of offense that can challenge Cincinnati. I'm not sold that they're an elite team. They're a good team, not an elite team. I know statistically they are, but I think Houston moves the football, challenges them over the top, and don't be shocked. If Clayton Toon and the crew are in this matchup in the fourth quarter, I have them plus 13 and a half. Not, I'm, I'm not a Cincinnati hater, but I just don't think that Cincinnati should be given 13 and a half points to Houston in this matchup. Speaking of big spreads that we're going to be seeing, and I, I don't know what it is right now being in Jersey. Obviously, FanDuel for us does not put this up, but – Rutgers at Ohio State. Now, Rutgers has had a you know, decent start, and they had that first win, and everyone's like, oh, Shiano's back. They're, this program's going to challenge. They're going to be good, and you know, they're going to actually make some noise instead of just being a doormat in the Big Ten. And then, of course, they go and lose to Indiana last week. So that's all oh, put to bed right away. Forget that. You can you know write that off. This guy's going to have this program exactly where it is in the Big Ten, just a joke. But now they go to Ohio State, and this is going to be a slaughter. How much of a slaughter is this going to be? And with Michigan losing already – with Wisconsin pretty much having their season canceled by COVID, you know, the last couple of weeks, does Ohio State just have a clear path to the Big Ten title? No problem. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think Ohio State has a clear path, uh, maybe to Michigan, and maybe that's the game that you know. I'm not saying just because it's a rivalry game. I and never say never in a rivalry game, but they do have a clear path at this point in the season 
to get to the, the last week of the season. Or I, I think they play on, uh, I believe it's later in the year, uh, November uh, 24th. I got to double check that. But um, I'm going to, the reason why FanDuel doesn't have it up is you can't bet it on Rutgers in the state of New Jersey. So, but the line is 37 and a half, 38 guys. I mean, I'd be inclined if I was in Vegas to take Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers covered this big nut line last year against Ohio State at home. You know, traditionally, they, they seem to play them pretty tough in terms of covering these lines. And when you look at Chiano, he was on staff for Ohio State, understands the personnel, team playing a little bit better uh, under Chiano than they were last year under Chris Ash and that group, right? More physical, they move the football, beat Michigan State. I'd be inclined to take the 37-and-a-half the week after Ohio State played Penn State. Don't love the game, but the Scarlet Knights could cover this number. Well, the other games you do love, Joe, on uh, GoForTheTwo.com, Nebraska plus three and a half over Northwestern, Tennessee one and a half over Arkansas, and West Virginia plus six and a half over Texas. Joe, tremendous stuff. We will see you all weekend long, including college football today on Saturday morning. Thanks for a couple minutes, buddy. Anytime, guys. Love the show. Pharrell on the bench. We wrap it up. Coming up next right here on The Grid. And we're back. Pharrell on the bench. Carver High and Mafia here with you. In for Scotty all week. 844-843-6879. Wyoming, uh, they're in trouble. Uh, 12 minutes left to go here. They're down 31-17. They got it to seven. They gave up a touchdown about five plays later. Awful job by them. Uh, we'll see if they can somehow claw back into this. Marenzi up next. Sports Rage late night. Gabe, what's going on? How did you do with uh, Packers 49ers? I know that Mafia got screwed on the under with that last second McKinnon touchdown. We're sweating out Wyoming here. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Yeah, that was a brutally bad beat for people that had the under. I never win when I bet on unders. It felt like a low-scoring game. It was going to be a low-scoring game, so I teased the under. So we hit that, uh, but I definitely sympathize uh, with with people. Just I hate those stupid garbage touchdowns like that late. <laughs> and then you talk about it. I'm on Wyoming uh, as well. It's been hit or miss for me in, in, in the Mountain West. I had Nevada earlier too, like you guys. And a little frustrating, like you said. Um, Wyoming, were you know they've been good this year offensively. They put up 34 points in um, in their first game. Is you know against. Um, against Nevada. Nevada. And we saw last week uh, they were very efficient against Hawaii. And so they, they, they are explosive. They can put up points. They've shown at least they can put up points in a hurry. I'm still holding out hope that, you know, somehow we send this to overtime. You know, we can tie this football game up. They punted. They just pinned uh, Colorado State uh, deep. And uh, they actually forced uh, forced a punt. So um, Wyoming are going to have the football at midfield right now, trying to uh, come back. Uh, 11 minutes left. We got to we got a puncher's chance, guys. There's a lifetime left in this game, Gabe. There's a Mountain West late night game. We're going to make things happen. Marenzi's up next. Sports Rage late night. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty one more time tomorrow night. My thanks to Joe Lisi for coming by. We will see you guys then. Have a good night. 
build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.